You're listening to Human Contact, a Misty University podcast about relationships and getting people to talk about them. I can tell you that I never expected to open an episode of the podcast, let alone the first episode, with like world news, but it's kind of hard to ignore the fact that the coronavirus is all that anyone can talk about right now, and I won't say much about it before we get into the first episode, but it would honestly feel a little bit weird not to comment on it, at least a little bit. So as most of you know, Cliff, who is my husband, and Alex, who's my girlfriend, and I all live in Vancouver, Canada, and things around here haven't been particularly dire as far as I can tell. There aren't a ton of confirmed cases here, but it is here for sure. And Cliff and I recently got back from a 12-day trip to California. We went down to visit my parents, do some photo shoots, and just sort of hang out for a bit. And we got back on March 10th, and for the window of time that we were away, things seemed to get really weird. And honestly, I'm really glad that we traveled when we did and got to enjoy our time because with all this panic, it doesn't seem like many people are finding it worth it to venture very far from home now. And it may be a really long time before we can do that again. So while we were away and since getting back, there's definitely been a few noticeable changes. And just for reference, today is Sunday, March 15th, 2020. And this podcast is going to officially come out tomorrow, which is Monday, March 16th. So in regards to the changes that I've noticed, as you guys know, I work at a college and literally all I have been doing since I got back was talk about this damn virus and talking about the endless planning in case we need to move all of our courses online. And it sounds like that's what a lot of other post-secondaries are doing. Actually, the two largest universities in the area have decided to move their classes online as of tomorrow. So that's a pretty big deal. And in terms of the stats that are out right now, my coworker actually came up to me on Thursday and she was like, hey, you like maps? Here, let me show you this. And she showed me the John Hopkins University map from the Coronavirus Resource Center. And it gives like the daily updates on how many confirmed cases there are, deaths, recovered, all that stuff. So as of right now, 1030 in the morning, there are 156,400 confirmed cases of the coronavirus. And there are 5,833 total deaths. Now, if I think about when my coworker showed this to me on Thursday, which was three days ago, there were only about 127,000 confirmed cases and about 4,300 deaths. So that's gone up quite a bit in just a few days, and it seems like it's going to keep going this way until we can get this under control. So the other thing that's obviously changed a lot over the past couple of weeks is 
most major events, festivals, movies, all that stuff have just straight up been canceled or significantly postponed. Like Coachella's been postponed till October or something this year. E3 has just been canceled. James Bond has been postponed till November. Tons of other things have closed. The one that particularly hurts for us is that TwitchCon EU was canceled and we have so many friends that were planning on going to that one. So that really sucks that they're not going to be able to go. And now we just have to sit and wait and see what happens about the September NA TwitchCon. So if things aren't settled by then, that one very well might be canceled as well. Apparently, as of today, France has shut everything down. Like restaurants, stores, movie theaters, everything, except for supermarkets and pharmacies. So that's the situation that they're dealing with over there right now. And if I think about other major changes, I'd say that the most annoying effect of all this mass panic is that you can't get any fucking toilet paper. Even though the risk is still assessed as low in Canada, it seems like everyone's turned into a doomsday prepper almost overnight. Anyways, that's the situation we're all in right now. And I guess this podcast episode will act as a little time capsule to look back on one day. So I hope your part of the world is safe and not without resources. And at the very least, all of this had better make us all more conscious about health and hygiene practices. Wash your hands, people. Soap and warm water. 30 seconds minimum. I'm not joking. Oh, you know what would be really interesting, though? While everyone is avoiding IRL social interaction, this could be the age where digital relationships flourish even more than before. I mean, we're all going to get to be real close friends now because it seems like the internet is the only thing that's not canceled. And speaking of relationships, that's what we're actually here to talk about. I promise this won't turn into a depressing newscast every time. We'll try to stick to good and relevant news only going forward. So moving on to the episode now, I first wanted to say a massive thank you to the overwhelmingly awesome response I got after that intro episode. Considering we're such a tiny operation right now, it was really, really cool to hear from everybody. And also thank you to those of you who participated in my little Instagram survey, which I will be sharing the results of throughout the podcast. So stick around for those. It was really fun to do that and super interesting. So I want to do more of those. Please participate in them if you see them. They're so much fun for me to read. And I will, of course, keep your responses anonymous as always. For those of you who haven't listened to the intro episode yet, you can go back and listen to that first if you'd like. It's basically an intro about when I started to think about relationships differently and why I'm doing a podcast that's geared towards relationships. Overall, the point of all of us being here is to talk about relationships and get other people to do the same, because ultimately every different relationship is going to have a different set of things that they need to talk about, and this podcast is meant to help give you things to think about that you may not have thought about before and go ahead and talk about them in your lives. I also briefly talked about what my relationship is like. I'm in a polyamorous relationship with two people. And because the most frequently asked question I get is about jealousy, that's why we're going to be talking about jealousy for the first episode. 
And for those of you who already did have a listen to that intro episode, welcome back. And I'm really happy you're here. And let's get into it. And let's talk about why we're all such jealous morons. Firstly, we are going to cover some foundational things to make sure we're all on the same page and that everyone's understanding what we're talking about here, because that'll just make it easier for everyone to understand. And it's important that we all acknowledge right now that jealousy is a deceptively huge topic, and we're obviously not going to cover everything in this episode. There's a couple of key points and sort of subtopics that I really wanted to focus on here, but it's definitely not to say that this is the full conversation. The topic of jealousy goes way, way beyond this. So hopefully this episode gives you kind of a launching pad to have even more conversations about it, essentially. So when I was scouring the internet, looking for a concrete place to sort of get this topic started, there were a few common things that I noticed in most articles, blogs, and different videos that I watched. And a lot of them chose to carefully clarify the difference between jealousy and envy. A lot of them did this right at the beginning. So I think that that's important that we clarify that right now. So for example... Let's say my friend has a beautiful two-bedroom apartment in a high-rise building overlooking the mountains from downtown Vancouver, and I want that apartment. (laughs) I want what my friend has, therefore I'm envious of them. Usually we tend to use the word jealous to describe this kind of situation. Like if I was talking to my friend directly, I would say, oh my god, I'm so jealous that you have this beautiful apartment, blah, blah. But technically what I should be saying here is I envy that you have this apartment or I envy you. Whereas jealousy is almost always talking about some sort of perceived threat. And when you're feeling jealous, it means that you feel that you're at risk of losing something that's important to you. In most cases, this is the fear of losing a relationship of some kind or the fear of something bad happening to the relationship. So an example of this would be Let's say I'm in elementary school and I have a really close friend and she just joined the soccer team. Now, going and playing on the soccer team takes up all of her spare time. She's always at practice or she's always at games or worse for me, she's always hanging out with all her other soccer friends and I don't want to play soccer. So I'm feeling jealous about her because she has chosen soccer, which is my perceived threat that is now taking up all of her time and she can't spend as much time being my friend anymore. So that's a case where I would be feeling jealous versus the case of envy where I want my friend's high-rise apartment. Does that make sense? So I'm sure you guys can think about a lot of different examples in your own life where you've been using the word jealous, but technically you mean envy, and other times where you are definitely jealous, but it's not always about romantic partnerships. It can be about friendships too, and we're going to talk about that more Another thing that a lot of the sources I read commented on was the important difference between jealous feelings and jealous behavior. And this is where I think a lot of people get the impression that jealousy is a bad thing, because when they see the effects of bad jealous behavior, we tend to conclude that since the feelings caused the bad behavior, therefore the feelings must be bad. And I don't think that's necessarily a fair conclusion. So that's why I think it's good that a lot of articles differentiated between feelings and behavior. And I even saw the results of this in my little Instagram survey. 
And just for your reference, I asked about five different questions in the survey, and there were between 50 and 80 respondents to each question, just to give you an idea. So relatively small sample size, but still worth talking about. One of the statements that I put up said, I think that jealousy is a bad emotion. Then I had a little sliding scale underneath that statement, and people could drag it towards strongly disagree, towards strongly agree, or somewhere in the middle. So with this statement, I think jealousy is a bad emotion, there were 14 people who strongly agreed with this statement. And there were only six people who strongly disagreed, meaning they pulled the slider to one extreme end or the other. 14 people committed to saying that they strongly agree that it's a bad emotion. Six people strongly disagreed. All the other responses were somewhere in the middle, and they all averaged out to be quite close to the middle but slightly leaning towards the agree side of the spectrum. So it sounds like there's at least a large portion of people who do think that jealousy is a bad thing. So we're going to talk about that more throughout as well. And like I said before, I think that this is really common because people tend to see bad jealous behavior and conclude that the feelings are therefore bad. But I really think that these two are separate and that jealousy isn't always bad. I read this statement in one of the articles that I was looking at online. It's called The Poisonous Effect of Jealousy, and it's on psychcentral.com, which you can already tell from the title, it's probably not going to be in favor of jealousy as a good thing. But here's a quote from that article. Instinctual or not, jealousy is not productive. People who struggle with controlling jealous feelings are often struggling with deeper issues as well. So that's the quote from that article. And While I don't disagree that people can have underlying feelings that are making them act jealous and potentially unreasonable, it made a very strong statement to say that jealousy is not productive. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that jealousy can certainly be productive because it's just a marker of something else that you're feeling, which means it can act as your own internal alarm bell that you need to have some sort of bigger conversation. So I definitely don't think that jealous feelings are bad. However, I do think that jealous behaviors can be really bad and can be really destructive, but not always. And we'll talk about that more as well. Something else that I also want to clarify and get us all on the same page about is that throughout all of these podcast episodes, I will always be talking about relationships of all kinds, not just romantic relationships, Like, think about a time when you were extremely jealous of a best friend, a close coworker, a family member, or even a friend with benefits. None of those relationships are immune to jealousy. And jealousy is not all that different between these types of relationships either. That's a major point that I want to make too. And let me give you an example. I will never forget the harsh jealousy that I felt when one of my elementary school friends moved away and made new friends at our new school. And I mean, the greater distance between us already made it harder for us to maintain a friendship. But with her new friends taking all her time and attention, honestly, there was none left for me. And that was really shitty at the time. The jealousy I was feeling here was that whole idea of a perceived threat, right? Which in this case was real there were people that she was spending more time with and it was threatening my relationship with her. And it was natural for me to feel this way about someone that I cared about. And I think this type of jealousy is really common and eventually one of two things is going to happen. 
Either both of you are going to make the effort to stay friends or one of you or both of you could decide that it's not worth the extra effort and then just let it die. Realistically, the same is true for long distance romantic relationships or if you live far away from your family members. This type of situation can happen across all kinds of relationships, not just romantic ones, not just friendships, etc. Now, here's a key point that I want to make. The same way that jealousy is similar across all types of relationships, it's also not that different when it comes to polyamorous relationships and monogamous relationships. That's what I want to argue here. So hopefully from some of my examples, you'll see what I mean. As you guys know, I have two partners, Cliff and Alex, and I've been open to poly relationships for about the past seven years. And as I mentioned in the preview episode, whenever people ask me about my relationships, so many of them ask, how do you deal with jealousy? And honestly, my answer is the same way that everyone else should be dealing with it, by talking about it, figuring out why you feel that way, and working it out with your partner or partners in a way that works for all of you. My favorite personal example of this to kind of show you how I deal with my own jealousy in the type of relationship that I'm in actually goes back to when Cliff and Alex first started dating each other. So I'm going to tell that little story. Basically, they met each other first and started spending a lot of time together And I did meet Alex relatively soon after they started spending time together, but I was really swamped with work and I didn't have time to see if I would develop my own relationship with her as well. So it was mostly Cliff and Alex spending time together at the beginning. So whenever Cliff would want to go stay the night at Alex's house, he was always awesome at saying, hey, like I'm about to go now. Is there anything I can do for you to make you feel more comfortable? Is there anything you need for me before I go? Do you need me to do something while I'm there, etc.? And Alex was also incredibly respectful. Whenever he was over there, she would make a point to check in with me, make sure that I was okay. So I do have to give a ton of credit to them for being cool. And that obviously made it exceptionally easy for me to not worry about anything. But anyway, when Cliff asked me if there was anything that I needed, the little quirk that I have that I knew would make me feel better, even though I wasn't particularly worried about anything, what I said to Cliff was, You can stay over and you guys can do whatever you want together. Just don't brush her hair. I love having my hair brushed, like more than life. (laughs) And so Cliff already understood that about me because we've had a ton of conversations about it. So he was like, okay, that's fine. That's a fair restriction right now. If that'll make you feel better, I won't brush her hair. Because that was a special thing that he did with me for a long time It just helped me give him something that he could do to prove that he was being careful of my feelings, but it wasn't to say that I was going to feel that way forever. So if you think you might feel jealous about something and you can put a tiny little restriction that just sort of isn't unreasonable, but would just make you feel better about a situation, I think that that's a really good thing that people can do. And what ended up happening is he honored my wishes and didn't brush her hair. Eventually, I told her what I had asked of him at the time because, fast forward, she and I did eventually get to spend a lot more time together and found that we wanted to be in a relationship together as well. She now obviously knows that I put this restriction on him at first, 
But now that I'm with her, and even if I wasn't with her, but just now that they've developed their relationship together and that I trust her and I trust him, that I'm no longer bothered if he brushed her hair or if she wanted that because they've both demonstrated to me that they are not a threat to my relationship with either of them. Overall, I am a very non-jealous person. Both Cliff and Alex will tell you that. But I do have my moments, and it took me a really long time to get to a place where I understood what I actually needed, how to ask for it, and learning what things actually make me feel jealous and what things don't, and how to ask for it from my partners. And my partners have had time to learn how to make me feel better about that stuff too. So it's a two-way street. I do have to acknowledge that both Cliff and Alex were exceptionally cool through everything, and therefore me asking for that little piece of comfort was totally reasonable and something that eventually I've let go of and now we're all closer because of it. The other thing that a lot of people say to me when they find out about my relationship is, wow, that's so great, but I could never do that. I'm too jealous. But when you really think about that statement, it suggests to me that they haven't really thought about it. What I think a lot of people are saying when they say a statement like that is, oh, currently I can't stand the idea of my partner being physically intimate with anyone other than me. But they've never thought about why they feel that way. It's not to say that everyone should be okay with that or that it's always possible to feel okay with your partner being physically intimate with others, but I want people to at least think about why they feel that way. At least think about what their honest reasons are for feeling that way. But when you really think about that statement, it's almost as if they're bypassing the fact that people act crazy jealous in monogamous relationships all the time. One of the other statements that I put up on my little Instagram survey was, jealousy has caused problems or conflict in my relationships. There were 20 people who chose strongly agree to this answer, and only four people strongly disagreed. And the overall average was about 64% of the way towards strongly agree, so there was still a lot of variation in the middle, but I couldn't help but notice the amount of people that were willing to commit to strongly agree versus the amount of people that were willing to commit to strongly disagree. So that sort of suggests that there's jealousy everywhere. There's no more or less jealousy in polyamorous relationships. It's just that there's more people to talk about them with. So I think when a lot of people make that statement that they could never be poly because they're too jealous, I'm not sure that they've fully thought that through when they say that. It would be different, though, if you've thought about why you're jealous of someone being physical with another person, you've realized that that's something that you need in order to feel safe and comfortable, maybe the reason you don't like the idea of that is for health and safety reasons, and you just value the most socially uncomplicated route of relationships. I think that's a perfectly fine reason for people to consciously choose to be monogamous. The only thing I ever want to challenge is whether you've actually thought about why you're monogamous or why you feel like you couldn't be poly. And then if after all of that reflection, you still end up feeling like you want to be monogamous, that's totally fine. But it's just worth thinking about. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) 
So yeah, I just thought it was important to point out that jealousy isn't actually all that different between monogamous and polyamorous romantic relationships. But if being jealous is the only reason you would avoid something like that, then you're shit out of luck for monogamous relationships too. Because as we've discussed, most people are going to feel that at one point or another anyways. So I hope all that made some sense and gave you some points to think about, right? So moving on to the next big thing that I wanted to discuss for this episode, as we've already said, jealousy is a massive topic and the things that cause people to feel jealous is a huge subtopic and we could honestly spend an entire episode just discussing all of those things. So now I'm going to read you some of the written responses that I got from one of the questions that I asked on my Instagram survey, which was, what makes you jealous in a relationship? And then this was an open-ended question. They could type whatever they wanted. And one of the responses that I got said, when others flirt with my significant other and they are too nice to turn them down. I thought this one was really good to point out. I'm sure that we've all seen this to some degree, where if your partner is too polite to let someone down or to hurt someone's feelings, they might tend to just sort of go along with the conversation rather than removing themselves because likely they're worried about conflict or worried about offending someone. But for their partner, sometimes that can be seen as really disrespectful because what's happening is that your partner is somehow saying to you that this random person who's flirting with them, their feelings are more important than your feelings. And that's probably why that hurts people or makes people feel jealous. So that was a really good response. And I'm really glad you said that. There were tons of people who said not getting enough attention or not getting enough affection is a huge reason for why they feel jealous. Another response I got said, perceived imbalances in their sense of priority or efforts. This one is a very well thought out response. So what this person is saying is that they feel jealous when they perceive that their partner is not prioritizing the correct things or is not prioritizing things to make them feel comfortable. I really liked this response. Someone said that the lack of transparency is what makes them feel jealous in relationships. This one's really huge because that sort of goes along with dishonesty or when your partner makes you feel suspicious because you don't feel like they're being 100% honest with you, that can be really unsettling and can definitely lead to jealousy in relationships. And then, of course, we have this absolutely accurate response to this question. What makes you feel jealous in relationships? When the girl has sex with someone else. I would say that a lot of people would agree with you, and we'll get into more details about cheating and infidelity a little bit later. But the last response I wanted to read to you didn't give an exact example of what makes them jealous in relationships, but was more of a statement about how their jealousy has changed. So this person said, I struggled more with this at the start of my relationship when I didn't know my partner as well. So that's really good to point out. And it kind of ties in with the example I gave about when Cliff and Alex were first dating. So I was a little more insecure about Alex when I didn't know her as well which is why I gave that little restriction for Cliff to not brush her hair. But over time, as I got to know her and got to know them together and then ended up getting together with her myself, I don't still have those feelings. So what this person's response suggests to me is that it's not always about what makes you specifically jealous, but it's also about the time that it takes to sort of let it go. 
And I thought those were really interesting. So I wanted to share those. So if I were to have responded to this survey, I would have run out of space. But here's what I would essentially add to it. Overall, I am a very non-jealous person. If I had to put myself on that spectrum somewhere, it would be very much towards the not at all end. What I've learned about myself over the years is that I am not jealous of physical affection or intimacy. This is likely to do with the fact that I'm not a very touchy-feely person and I don't require a lot of physical attention myself. So it doesn't bother me when other people go and get that with each other. So I'm going to give you a poly term to take home today. It's it's not a term that I use very often, but it's the only thing that really describes this completely. And you'll hear about it in pretty much every like poly writing of some kind. So it's called compersion. And basically what it means is I can look at Cliff and Alex being affectionate with each other and I can feel joy for them. It's kind of like vicarious joy. So I look at that situation and think, wow, both of my partners are really physically affectionate. That's how they love to receive attention. And there they are giving it to each other. They're my partners and I care about them. Therefore, I'm happy with their happiness. Does that make sense? So I'm never looking at that scenario being like, oh my God, like, I can't believe they're being affectionate with each other and I'm not there. Like, what about me? Blah, blah, blah. So that was something I wanted to point out that doesn't make me jealous. I am not jealous of physical affection. I'm kind of a robot and I I don't need a lot of physical attention in order to feel loved and cared for. I prefer other things. Another very common cause of jealousy in all kinds of relationships, I think, is the fear of abandonment. And I hear that from so many people. Interestingly, in the circle of people that I know, I've heard the same, if not more, cases of people's fear of abandonment of friends, almost more than I've heard about people's fear of abandonment from romantic partners. And that's always been really interesting to me. I've definitely been abandoned before by friends and by potential partners, but for whatever reason, I never really developed a fear of that happening. I ended up always just feeling relieved when someone that didn't want to be around me anymore has left. I cannot stand the idea of someone being around for the sake of being around because they're too much of a chicken shit to just tell me that they don't want to spend time with me anymore and take off and move on with their life. That is my biggest fear in all relationships. I say this about my friends all the time that I would just rather they tell me if they don't want to be around me or if they don't want to spend time with me. I'm not afraid of them abandoning me because if someone were to disappear off the face of the earth right now, yeah, I might think that it's kind of an asshole move, but I won't feel particularly destroyed over that because that action tells me everything I need to know about them. It tells me that they didn't care about me enough to think that it was worth having a conversation to maintain the friendship or the relationship or whatever. So I would much rather that they just go fuck off and move on with their life. And that's not a fear that I have when I think about the relationships that I'm in. But I know that it's super, super common for people to have that fear of abandonment, that crippling fear of what if I do something wrong? What if I say something that makes them never want to talk to me again? What if I'm too overbearing and they get annoyed of me and blah, 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 blah. Like it's so common. And I won't say that it's totally unrelatable to me either, but it's just not at the top priority of things that worry me in relationships, if that makes sense. So those are the main things that don't make me feel jealous. 
But when I talk about things that do make me jealous, they sound so dumb. But I mean, I'm sure everyone has these little quirks of some kind. I already told you the hairbrushing story, so that's one thing. But I would say the overarching theme of things that make me jealous are more sentimental things and things related to effort. So to give you an example, as you guys know, Cliff is a photographer and everyone check out at cliff.sun on Instagram. That is cliff period sun. Thank you. And he mostly does like lifestyle photos of beautiful girls. And those beautiful girls are often not wearing many clothes. (laughs) So a lot of people are like, oh my God, don't you get jealous of him taking photos of all these girls? They're basically naked. And honestly, that is the least of my worries because I trust him. That part doesn't bother me at all. I've been working with Cliff with photography stuff for the entire time we've been together. But The kind of stuff that does bother me is if he were to go meet with one of the models beforehand and just sort of talk about the plan for the shoot, if he dared to take them to one of our favorite restaurants without me, that is not acceptable. (laughs) So like, so in that sense, I feel sentimental about, you know, places that I've been with Cliff or places that I've been with Alex. Like there's a Bingsu place that the three of us always go to together And if Alex took a friend there alone, or if Cliff took a friend there alone, I would be like, what the fuck? What about me? I want Bingsu. Stupid things like that, because the sentimental value around that location is what's important to me. But as long as my partners aren't deliberately trying to leave me out of things that they know I really like to do, then I'm totally fine. And an example of the effort type things that would bother me is also most people know that I do calligraphy and like hand lettering and stuff. And Cliff has shown an interest in trying to learn a little bit with me before, but ultimately it's just not a hobby that he's particularly interested in, which is totally fine. But hypothetically, and this is not a true story, but hypothetically, if Cliff were to meet someone, guy or girl, wouldn't matter, who also had an interest in calligraphy, and if he started like hanging out with them for them to teach him how to do it, I would be like, are you fucking kidding me? I have that skill. I can offer that to you. Why would you go get it from somebody else? That makes no sense. So that type of thing would bother me because essentially what it would say is that he would be willing to put in the effort to learn this hobby that I like with someone else rather than with me. But I'm not worried about that because he just doesn't care enough about it, period. And he's not going to go do that. So This is not a true story, but I just wanted to give that as an example of the types of things that would make me jealous versus the types of things that don't. So I think we can move on now to what we can all agree is the largest cause for people's jealousy, which I believe is the suspicion of cheating or some sort of relationship dishonesty. I think that this is the big thing that everyone will experience in one way or another, And I did put something related to this on my little Instagram survey. So the statement I put up said, it is possible for cheating and or relationship dishonesty to be forgiven. There were 18 people who strongly disagreed with this statement, meaning that they didn't think it could be forgiven. And only six people strongly agreed. Now, the overall average on this one was the closest towards the strongly disagree end than any of my other questions. So it was about like 38%, meaning it was leaning more towards the strongly disagree side than the strongly agree side. But I thought that it was really interesting the number of people that were somewhere in the middle, but did lean towards that it was possible to forgive it. 
because this seems to be a lot of people's biggest fear is what if there is an external threat to my relationship and then my partner goes and cheats on me and everything falls apart? No one ever wants to be in that situation. For those of you who have, it really, really sucks, but you then get to choose how you react if something like that happens to you. So that perceived threat to the relationship where it could be possible that your partner could cheat on you or someone could come in and seduce your partner into doing naughty things with them. This perceived threat can absolutely drive people crazy. And we see this in the media all the time. So just for fun, I actually have two examples that I want to play for you guys. So when I'm thinking about suspicion of cheating, I always think about this one scene from season four of Friends. And I don't even feel bad about spoilers at this point. So to give you the context, Chandler, who's one of the main six friends on the TV show, he's currently dating a girl named Kathy. And Kathy used to be dating Joey because they met in acting class. And Joey is another one of the main characters on the show. And Chandler and Joey are best friends. They're roommates as well at this point in the story. And Joey and Kathy were dating first, but Kathy ended up having feelings for Chandler. Chandler had feelings for Kathy. And they kissed a little bit while Joey and Kathy were still together. Then Joey found out about it. He got super pissed off. But then Chandler spent some time in a box to think about what he did. And eventually Joey forgave him and saw that he and Kathy were probably better suited together. So fast forward a little bit and... Chandler and Kathy are now dating. Kathy, who is an actor, is currently in a play at like a local theater. And Chandler and Ross, who Ross, of course, is another main character, uh, have gone to see her show. And Chandler has this idea in his head that when Kathy has a love scene with her coworker Nick, he's convinced that if there's no sexual chemistry on stage, then it must mean that they're screwing off stage and that she must be having sex with him outside of the performance. So then Chandler tries to confront her about this at the end of one of her shows. So here's the clip. Hey, you guys. Hey. Hi. Oh, thank you so much for coming again. Did you like it tonight? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Wasn't Nick funny when he couldn't get his match lit? <laughs> <laughs> Good play, isn't it? Mm. I loved the play. Uh, yeah, you were great, and uh, Nick, ditto. <laughs> Clearly, you're having sex with them. Clearly, I'm having sex with him? Oh, come on, it was so obvious. There was no chemistry between you two. Okay, let me just get this straight. You're accusing me of cheating on you and you're insulting my performance. You know, I, I can see how this could happen. You know, you're up there every night, naked, touching, kissing. Uh, acting? Chandler, this is my job. I, I'm playing a part in a play. How can you not trust me? Well, you can understand, given how we started. Oh, wow. I can't believe you're throwing that in my face. Well, that is what happened, and I don't even see you denying this. I'll tell you what, Chandler, why don't you call me when you grow up? Yeah, well, don't expect that to happen anytime soon. So, as you can tell, Chandler is definitely the jealous one here, and Kathy is the recipient of it. And these types of scenes are obviously exaggerated for comedic effect on TV, but Chandler's definitely behaving in a way that's unproductive, totally accusatory, 
even though Kathy's being very reasonable, though understandably frustrated at how crazy he's being, and he doesn't have any sort of foundation or evidence to accuse her of this other than his own insecurity. So that's the first one that I wanted to show you. And there is another scene that shows kind of the reverse of this, where the jealous person actually does a decent job of confronting the other person about their suspicion. And it's actually the recipient who reacts poorly. So this clip is from Netflix's 2018 show called You, which I highly recommend. And I'm going to give minimal spoilers, but there will be some. So heads up. To give some context, Joe is the main character of the show, and he's had some questionable methods of getting close to and eventually dating this girl named Beck. And at one point, he was genuinely trying to give her the benefit of the doubt and trust her without keeping close tabs on her. And then her birthday comes around and he decided to throw her a surprise party. And Beck showed up super late and he was getting increasingly suspicious the later she was. And then he confronted her about his concerns. She starts by being just really frustrated at him and saying that she was dealing with her grief over a certain event that I won't mention, and then scolding him for throwing such a lavish party at a time like this and blah, blah, blah. But he was extremely suspicious about where she was and why she was late for their plans. So here's a clip. Where were you? Sorry. Beck, I called. I texted you. Yeah, I know. I just, my, um, my therapy session ran long. Dr. Nikki and I were really making some headway. And then I guess I just, I went for a walk and. You guess? Therapy and a walk? Yes. Then why do you smell like three glasses of rosé? Because I sat down at some stupid bar with my journal trying to work through shit, Joe. That's it. Okay, so then why didn't you call me? I forgot! But it's your birthday, Beck. We made dinner plans. Well, I... I just... I lost track of time. Beck, just tell me. Just tell me. Tell me the truth. And we can get through anything. Okay, well, if you can't tell me, then show me. Show me your phone. <laughs> are, are you serious right now? You said yourself you have a hard time with good guys. What are you talking about? The Hootsie stuff. <laughs> okay, I'm... Okay, fine. You want to see my phone? Have at it. But if you do this, it means there is absolutely no trust between us. And if we don't have trust, we have nothing. Do you trust me? So those of you who have seen this show know that this isn't how Joe has dealt with his jealousy or suspicion in the past. He's done a lot of really crazy shit to make sure that his feelings are protected and that Beck isn't up to no good. But seriously, he was really trying to give her the benefit of the doubt this time. So if we put all of his invasion of privacy issues to the side for a second and just look at this scene, he did a perfectly fine job of confronting her about something that was bothering him. And she did an utterly shit job of comforting him in any way. The spoiler that I will give is that we find out that she's a lying sack of shit and was cheating on Joe with her therapist, which is really squicky. And it's extra awful to realize that she still had the balls to say that to him during this conversation. Like, oh, like, go ahead, check my phone. But if you do know that we have no trust between us, ugh, that kind of stuff makes me sick. So yes, it turned out that Beck was an awful, deceptive bitch. 
But if we were to look at this scene just for how Joe approached her about his fears or insecurities and how poorly she reacted, that's all I'm really trying to demonstrate here. So these two clips draw into what we were saying earlier about jealous feelings versus jealous behavior. And I wanted to use them to point out that everyone can have their moments. Everyone can have moments where they're insecure, suspicious, feeling crappy overall. And it's not about suppressing those feelings. These clips just show two very different ways of behaving when you're feeling jealous. So for Chandler, he couldn't help but have insecure feelings about Kathy's job because it seemed like such an obvious threat to him. But his behavior is likely what caused the rift in their relationship because he was acting so chaotic and immature. And in the other example, let's be honest, Beck was acting really shady, but Joe kept relatively calm and just wanted to know the truth. Also, what I wanted to point out with these two clips is that, as with any partners, it's not just a one-way street. The jealous person obviously has the responsibility to act reasonably when they're dealing with their feelings, but I think the recipient of jealousy should also have some responsibility here. Let's say that Beck was being honest about where she was that night, then her behavior is totally uncalled for. That's why I think it wasn't all that crazy for Joe to ask to see her phone. It would have been totally different if Joe approached her and said, where were you? Like, we had plans. What happened? And if she responded saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm just so overwhelmed with this grief that I'm going through right now. And I ended up prioritizing being alone today and I totally lost track of time. I should have updated you. I'm so sorry that I made you worry. That would have been so different. But when someone's guilty as fuck, I guess they're going to act kind of like how she acted here. So sub point, watch out for those red flags. Anyway, there's a million examples out there about how jealousy over fears of infidelity can play out. And overall, I think the reason that cheating makes everyone so crazy is because it means you've been deceived. Your partner has lied to you in order to go through with something like that. And this is where monogamous people looking at polyamorous people get confused sometimes. The definition of cheating is not, quote, having sex with someone outside of the primary relationship. That's not the definition of cheating. Cheating actually means being dishonest about your relationships with others. That in some way violates what you and your partner or partners have agreed to. So it's the lie that's the problem. Alex and Cliff are not cheating on me when they have sex with each other because they are not deceiving me to go do that. We've all agreed that that is an acceptable part of our relationship together. So it's not the same thing. And I think a lot of people get confused. So like I said before, I'm not bothered by my partners being physical with other people, but I would be bothered if they did it carelessly or in a way that was deceitful. And from those two clips that we played, it sounds like Chandler very well might care whether Kathy had been physical with someone else because he feels inadequate, whatever the reason is. Whereas Joe seems to genuinely care more about not being lied to. It definitely still counts as cheating, what Beck did, but she's made it so much worse because she's lied about it. That's what I'm trying to point out. And there's also a million other things that are unsettling for people in relationships. But as you can tell from the examples I gave for myself, those are going to be different for everyone. Think about it. What are the specific things that make you feel crazy? How could your partner make you feel better about them? And if your needs to quell that fear right now are pretty extreme, what are some ways that you can 
put like a temporary restriction to just kind of give yourself that comfort bubble and then slowly dial it back over time. So the conclusion here is that jealousy is a symptom of some other fear, insecurity, or whatever it is. The feeling of jealousy is not the problem. But what you do when you feel jealous or when your partner feels jealous, that's what matters. Well, this episode probably gave you all more questions than it did answers, but at the very least, I hope it gave you something to think about and maybe even talk about with your partners, your friends, or anyone you think you might need to iron this stuff out with. Since I'm such a teacher and have been programmed to review objectives at the end of a discussion, here's what we talked about in a nutshell. So firstly, we covered the difference between jealousy and envy, the distinction between jealous feelings and jealous behavior. And I also clarified that in this podcast, I would always be talking about relationships of all kinds, not just romantic ones. We did this at the beginning to make sure that we were all on the same page. Then I went ahead and argued that jealousy in polyamorous romantic relationships is not that different than in monogamous ones because people are still jealous about the same things. The only real difference is that you now need to discuss it with multiple people instead of just one, but tons of people have the experience of having multiple close friends, and that takes a degree of balance and good communication too, which can be kind of a parallel to what polyamorous people experience too. Then we talked about reasons why people are jealous and the threats they perceive in their relationships. And the main thing to point out here was that these reasons are going to be different for everyone, and it's up to you to figure out your own shit so you can work on it with your partner. And it's also up to your partners and friends to be good sports and help you out sometimes because relationships are not a one-way street. So that was our March 2020 episode. I can't believe how quickly that came up. That was crazy. Uh, As of this Friday, I will no longer be accessible in the physical world because I will be living exclusively in the digital world on my island in Animal Crossing. So send me a message on Discord if you want to exchange friend codes. Let's go. (laughs) But yeah, so for the April episode that's going to come up next month, the topic we're going with is everyone's most hated behavior, ghosting. (laughs) And this one's going to be really interesting for me to look into. I don't have a ton of personal experience with ghosting in regards to dating, but I do have a lot of theories about why people do this and some sort of prescriptions on how we can all stop doing this to each other, but in some cases just accept that it's happening to us. So please send me an email at humancontactpodcast at gmail.com with all of your ghost stories, and I'd love to hear about all those tragedies. This episode was made possible by all of my awesome Twitch community and members of our Discord, Misty University. If you have any comments or questions about this episode or suggestions for a future episode, did you know that you can actually leave me a voicemail? Yes, you can. Go to anchor.fm forward slash human contact, then click on message and just record your voice note. Then I would love to play these on my Wednesday night streams at twitch.tv forward slash misty maps so we can all talk about them together and potentially i may use your voicemail clips in upcoming podcast episodes 
If you would rather type your questions or comments, then please do send me an email at humancontactpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone for being cool, and I'll see you out there on the internet.